Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Hey, this is the Non-Fungible Podcast, NFP with D. Klein. Today, my guest is a collage artist, Kat Russell. Hey, Kat Russell, welcome to the show. Good hey, night. thanks for having me. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. How are you doing today, man? Oh, doing pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. Just got back from vacation, and oh, my spouse really? is actually out of town right now, so I get the house to myself, just me and the cats hanging out and making some art over the weekend. Nice. Awesome. It's That's comfy. Nice. Yeah. Hey, you know, some downtime by yourself. That's a good thing sometimes. I mean, I had a lot of that with this whole COVID experience, downtime by myself, so it's not my favorite thing right now, but yeah. Whereabouts are you? What part of the world are you in? Uh, I live in Southern Ohio. Okay. Okay. So things back to normal there or? Well, um, so I was living in Columbus and then during COVID I was out of work. So we decided to move out to the middle of nowhere. So out in the middle of nowhere, COVID never existed apparently. <laughs> uh, People just go about their daily lives like normal there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, weird it's not really a best practice but it is how everybody handles it out here like mm -hmm. i would go into walmart because it's our only grocery store and i'd be the only person with a mask <laughs> yeah we had you know we've just officially reopened here where i am in alberta so it's weird being in a store with a mask off <laughs> strange sensation it's kind of like driving with your seatbelt off it just doesn't feel right you know i never understood the hate about the mask because I, I absolutely love wearing a mask in general oh really like, yeah i mean it, I, I don't see any issue with it at all i just wish people would get weirder with it like <laughs> i mean you've seen like the masks that i wear like made out of records and stuff like i don't okay. wear those in public obviously <laughs> uh, right but i wish that people were i think that'd be sweet like instead of just wearing this yeah, little get creative you know, with your masks people yeah piece of fabric over your face like if you show up to like whole foods wearing a darth vader mask i'm all for it yeah that's true it's, people really didn't take full advantage of that i thought it was kind of interesting the idea that you could walk into a bank now fully masked covered up covered, yeah just walk uh, in casually you know withdraw some cash I mean, I like it. I, I don't think I'll ever go back to not, like, fully wearing a mask uh -huh. as long as society lets me. Uh, <laughs> like, when I was in Japan, I thought it was really courteous that people who were sick would just wear a little mask to make you less likely to catch it from them. Like, well, I like that. Thing. That's the thing, is that if we come from it from the right perspective of, like, you know, I'm not feeling 100%. I'm going to wear a mask for the benefit of other people right if you come from that approach you know it makes a lot of sense to wear a mask if you're under the weather yeah i'm all for that i'm all for wearing one just for fun uh you know <laughs> if you're going out to the bar one night like why not put on a goofy mask and have a little fun with it like mm -hmm. i'm cool with that mm -hmm. and so when i see these people that are like it's infringing on my rights if these are the same people that were yelling about not being allowed to wear a mask in the bank 10 years ago. 
I don't know if I ever heard people do that. I'm curious. You've actually heard people complaining about that in the past? Oh, uh, I don't know <laughs> if I have. I'm sure if there was somebody to complain about that, though, it would be that person. It would be that person. Right, right, right. I don't know. Being a teacher, I've had to wear a mask full time, day in, day out for the last year and a half. Right? Like and I'm in day. healthcare, so yeah. Same. Okay, and I find it hilarious how people. Were, I didn't really intend for this show to be all about COVID and masks, but anyway, <laughs> um, I find it funny how people were like, "Oh, but it's depriving my oxygen levels," or you know, this and that. It's like people. There are people who wear masks full time for their jobs and have for decades. This yeah, is not a new thing. Uh, like I do office <laughs> management for some surgery units and. Like, my doctors wear them all the time. So, I, I mean, you were trusting his oxygen-deprived brain before with your surgery. <laughs> you can trust it still. Yeah, it's quite ridiculous. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see things getting back to normal. It'll be interesting to see how it affects the NFT world. You know, I feel like NFTs definitely had a big boost with everybody being kind of indoors, attached to their computers. You know, and uh, seems like, you know, it's kind of cooled down a lot. What's your experience been, you know, the last few months with it kind of calming down? Um, so on my end, it's definitely calmed. You know, mm -hmm. when I first started working on them um, in January, February of this year, mm -hmm. it seemed like it was shocking to see somebody list something and it not go for a dumb amount of money in 24 hours. Right. And And now, you know things that I think I've made that are better than what I had listed then, uh, they'll sell for a fraction of the amount or sit up and, you know, not sell. And that's fine yeah, with yeah. me. It's, you know, I have a real day job. I, I don't really do this for money. Any income I make from it, I either just donate to charity or throw to other NFT artists. Mm -hmm. So I don't mind that things not selling. It's more hobby. But mm -hmm. it's definitely a slowing market. Mm -hmm. What do you think of, like, personally, I've just kept producing art at the same pace that I was when I was, like, selling everything, right? Um, and then there's all this argument about scarcity, or some people say scarcity. I've noticed a lot of people say scarcity, which I didn't realize. But anyway, um, what do you think of the whole scarcity argument? It seems to be coming up again, and I've seen it all over Twitter, people arguing about it. Um... I mean, do what you want. That, that's my <laughs> approach is if you want to be the artist that publishes eight NFTs total in your life and you're bragging that that's your thing, that's awesome. Do it. Uh, also, if you think that your piece of art needs to be in the hands of every man, woman, and child and that one piece of art isn't a one of one, but it's a one of a million, I mean, give it a shot. I don't care. Uh, personally, I like one of ones. Uh, it makes it feel more like it's an original and it's not a, you know, copy. Right. It, it's not a print. It's a actual piece of art. So I like them for that. But I, I don't think you should limit how many you're putting out in the world. Uh, I, I'd rather see artists put out stuff that they're skeptical of. Is this my best work? Did I fail on this one? I mean, put it out and let the world decide. Because there I, are I things that I've made words, I didn't yeah. like. Sorry, and, go ahead. Uh, there's things I've made I dislike, and then when mm. like I post them, people are like, "This is fire." 
oh sweet i'm glad you like it i actually don't <laughs> but that's awesome <laughs> and and vice versa there are things i love that i've made that when i you know drop it on twitter it's all crickets yeah it's so, weird hey yeah i what tell me about a piece you don't like of your own i'm curious i've been looking through all your stuff on showtime and on open sea and rareable portion tell me a piece um, you don't like so there's this one that i made that it's a it's an altar and there's like a creature on the altar and i i put a private wallet inside the creature and i actually sent the nft to that wallet so the only way to get the NFT is for me to mail you the physical and you to cut open the physical and ruin it, and then you can have the NFT. Oh. Uh, but the idea behind it was that people won't cut open the physical. The NFT will actually validate just like an NFT is supposed to, but it'll do it the opposite way it's supposed to because the NFT not moving will prove that you are holding the real one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't I didn't really like how the picture itself came out. Uh, I just didn't like the color contrasts and stuff. Okay. Uh, but, you know, the wallet was already buried in it. I really liked the concept behind it. And it was like, you know, it, does the concept itself have value? Maybe the art someone else really vibes with and I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting how it can be so subjective that the artists themselves can feel that it's not successful whereas others do see it as a success hmm. let's talk about your art i mean clearly you're a predominantly collage artist um yeah where, where did this begin for you um so i've been a really bad painter anytime i try to paint uh my, my lines just get really clumsy looking okay and i when i try drawing Usually my best drawings are with Sharpie, uh, mm. and I like Sharpie, but I like uh, a lot of the texture that paints can do. Mm. And when I look at art, most of the visceral stuff that really grips me is all about textures, yep. and I have a hard time recreating those. And I was just looking through magazines and seeing, like, you know, if you, like, zoom in on this magazine on their clothes, for instance, their clothes have this awesome texture and i wish i could draw and, and capture that texture but i can't but i can take little cutout snippets of it and i can steal all these little textures and basically paint with them mm -hmm. so that's why a lot of my collages aren't you know your traditional collage cut out of a whole scene pasted on a whole other scene it's little tiny pieces of people's skin from magazines put together to make a face or little tiny pieces of a whole bunch of red objects meshed together to make a squid because mm -hmm. uh, i'm just using it more as a color palette for i guess painting with paper i'm just trying to picture like do you have like just boxes and boxes of magazines that you've somehow recovered from somewhere or what's the story behind that like are you hoarding magazines or what I'm starting to hoard some magazines, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> National so, Geographics. <laughs> it, it tends to be Better Homes and Gardens mm. and People Magazine, because those are the mm -hmm. two that show up to my work that we throw away. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, it's not so easy, actually, to get a hold of a pile of magazines anymore. Yeah, it's not. Uh, but 
we throw away tons of them at work. And so usually once a month, I'll take home a stack of five or six, go through them with some scissors and just chop out all the really cool looking advertisements. Mm-hmm. I really like advertisements of ice cream. Uh, oh. Ice cream always has like in food in general, when they photo food, they take so much time to make the textures look crisp and juicy. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, when, but when <laughs> you like zoom in on it and you take like a little like half inch by half inch, or I guess what would that be in the rest of the world? It's centimeter okay. and a half yeah. by centimeter and a half, like <laughs> snippet of it. You, you we still use inches. This is the crazy thing. Okay. I live in Canada. We're supposed to be fully metric. We still use feet and inches. Is... Oh, you do? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. you know when you talk Fahrenheit, then here people at least not my generation, I still get it. But people of a younger generation, they have no idea what you're talking about. If you were to say, "Oh, is you know 80 Fahrenheit today," you know 80 degrees, they would have no idea. But I grew up, you know, a while ago, so for me, it's still understandable. Anyway, sorry, we we're on a tangent there. <laughs> oh no, you're good. Uh, I think metric versus imperial is a fascinating conversation too. <laughs> It is interesting how the United States is still just stubbornly stayed in this antiquated system. Oh, that's our style. Is it, though? Being stubborn as hell? Yeah. No, that part I understand. But, I mean, in terms of, I don't know, it seems like the U.S. should be the ones that kind of lead the world in that regard. It feels strange that they don't. If only. (laughs) We were talking about your collages. We were talking about cutting out magazines. We were talking about people, better home than gardens, being your best sources. And then you got into ice cream and textures. Yeah, ice cream and textures. Ice cream photos are where it's at. Ice cream magazines, if you take the little pieces of them and you chop them up, they end up looking like pretty much anything you want to make them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I have a piece that I made a while back that it's a like a couple monkeys grooming themselves and then this imitation of a monkey that's mm-hmm. also there. And I, I sent it to a few people that are NFT friends, people that have bought past art of mine. It was kind mm-hmm. of like a thank you piece that I sent out. But uh, all the monkeys in that are made entirely from ice cream ads. That's called companion imitator number two. Yeah. 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 yeah those, those monkeys are all ice cream. That's awesome. And you um yeah I, I think that when you look at food ads in particular they, they just take so much time on making every detail of them look lush and like something that just has a lot of individual detail that even when you zoom in on that and you take the little like tiny cut out of it you still can get uh whatever you want out of it so you can make it look like fur or you can make it look like uh, liquids or however you want to turn it into. Mm-hmm. Wild. So are you sending these physical pieces out to people then? Uh, I have. So what I do a lot of times, I call it a, an exclusive redeemable voucher. Mm-hmm. And how that works is uh, on some of my NFTs, if they're one of ones and I made a physical to make it, it will say on it, Take this NFT, send it to the universal burn address, send me like 0.1 ETH and tell me your address and I'll mail you the physical. Mm -hmm. 
And the, the goal of it is to help enable individualized commodity trading of otherwise unique assets. So, you know, the people that want to flip the Mona Lisa right now, but can't because they'd have to go to Sotheby's and do a traditional auction and it's a pain in the ass. Um, they can take part in this type of market where they don't actually want to hold the art, they, but they do want to be trading a physical art. Mm -hmm. So you can be speculative of my physical piece. And then if you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're like, yeah, the NFT is cool, but I really want that hanging on my wall. Burn the NFT. I'll send you the real one. Right. The NFT just acts as a token of ownership. Yeah, a, a token of ownership, placeholder to enable the like digital transfer of it. So that way the actual physical is safe and secure right now. And you don't have to worry like you would if I mailed the physical with the digital to the first person that bought the NFT and they resell the NFT. How do you know you're getting the same physical from them? Right. Mm -hmm. So what? Where? when did this whole NFT thing click for you then? You said January, February is when you were doing this stuff primarily. Um, so I, I'd wrote and wrote and written, uh, a couple things on NFTs back in 2018, 2019 ish. Oh, wow. okay. okay. Uh, but I wasn't actually involved with them. I just thought they were interesting. And I thought that the royalty aspect had real potential for mm -hmm. art schools. Uh, so I was writing up papers on how that could help art students in particular feel more inclined to sell their art and not worry that they just sold their Mona Lisa while they're an art student for $20 <laughs> and now it's going to be reselling for millions and they're not going to receive a royalty. Right. Uh, but it wasn't really until I, you know, COVID was going on and uh, I was out of work for almost a year because of that. Mm. And uh, you were saying so you were in healthcare. How could you have been out of work during COVID if you were in healthcare? Because I quit my job two weeks before COVID basically started. Okay. Yep. I, I had a new job lined up. I'd been working at the same place for six years. And I was like, now's the time. I'm moving to a big corporate job. I'm making mm. the switch. Quit my job. Then the new place did a hiring freeze because they were doing a freeze in compliance departments. Right. So. So unfortunate timing. Yeah, just bad timing. But. Hmm. Uh, we were talking royalties, though. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I I talked about, you know, royalties a bit with like art schools and stuff with a few people and mm -hmm. was just throwing around ideas on it. But I never really got into the NFT space, uh, partially because I wasn't making art. Um, okay. I, you know, I was working a lot. I had a bad drinking problem mm -hmm. and then you know due to covid and being home i eventually just realized i needed to sober up mm -hmm. and so once i got sober it was like well what do i do with my extra four hours a day that must have been really tough with i mean to me the whole covid situation would have made the problem drinking it would exacerbate the problem oh yeah it did <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know it was before like I was definitely functioning alcoholic, mm -hmm. take my six or eight beers every night after work. 
And then without work and being home all day, it was like, well, what am I going to do? I woke up. It's 9 a.m. Let's have a drink, start... right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's start boozing. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of like when I hit rock bottom around mm. January 16th. That's when I said, well, I got to quit. Uh, so I detoxed. I went to my buddy's house, went through withdrawal, all that fun stuff. Mm. And then was like, I need to find something to do with my time. And okay. That, that's kind of why I'm here now. Wow. Okay. So you just did that all just pretty much on your own. Uh, I mean, my I have a spouse. Like, mm -hmm. she, she was definitely for me doing all this, and she's been very supportive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good that you had people in place for that. Cause, but so you found that art kind of helped you get through that then. Yeah, it's way better than any therapist out in the boondocks. <laughs> what do you suppose it is about art that enabled you to kind of divert yourself from that addiction? Um, I mean, for me, it's like I have to stay busy. I, I, I'm always way. bored. Yeah. Like, just I have the same always problem. bored. The brain's always turning and like drinking is just the best way to turn the brain off that I know. Hmm. it's so easy to just be like turn the brain off all right let's do it and throw back some drinks mm -hmm. uh so if i'm not turning the brain off i gotta do something and art's nice because like half of it is thinking about what you want to do and like planning these ideas doing research like trying to get metaphors that are elusive but not like too vague and then the other half is just that cathartic, all right, this is the idea, sketch it out, put the cutouts of paper on the paper. Mm -hmm. Do you think there could be a point, I struggle with myself, uh, with this myself, the idea of not being content doing nothing. Do you think there could be a point where a person could get to, a person like you or like me, where you are just content to just not be busy with something? Or is that just not in our wiring um i don't know the the meds they put me on help with that i can okay. say that mm -hmm. uh but I, I just have a hard time being in that resting state and being satisfied like when i was on vacation you know you're floating around in the lake hanging out and everybody else is just floating there like this is the life and i'm <laughs> yep. just thinking why aren't, why aren't we water skiing? Why aren't we doing this? Like We're just sitting here. <laughs> I'm often thinking, everyone else seems to be having a good time. I guess I'm supposed to be having a good time right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I hate that feeling. So that, that always is the feeling I have when it's like relaxing downtime. Uh-huh. You know, if it's not downtime, uh, I don't get that feeling. And even if I put on something that's an absolute waste of effort and am doing that I, that feeling doesn't come like i could watch a crappy reality tv show and i might be sitting here like well this is dumb mm -hmm. but at least i'm not saying like oh what am i doing mm. okay because that's just a big one for me that always comes back okay. so yeah the art is just a good way to idle hands keep busy type thing yeah 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 I just wonder sometimes, like, is there something behind it, you know, like 
for me too. Like I have the same issue with, with boredom, you know, in terms of just contentedness. Is there something there that I'm, I could work towards somehow? Apparently meditating helps with it. My mm. spouse claims meditating is great. Mm-hmm. I, I can't get into it. I've tried a bunch and doesn't do it for me, but she swears up and down that meditating just puts her mind at ease. Meditating would be one of the most difficult things I think for me to do. I should try it. Just, I just know that my mind likes to be busy. So maybe it would be a good thing. I don't know. I definitely recommend people try it. I mean, there's reasons why people do it. And even if my brain just refuses to accept it because it's stubborn, uh, maybe yours will have different results. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Something to explore. I mean, art itself is kind of a meditative thing, right? Like when you're doing that collage work, there's a meditative yeah, element to it. Yeah, the half that. of it is the, the process half is. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm curious, like when you're doing these collages, are you first having something in mind you want to create and then finding the textures? Or are you finding the textures and going, oh, I think I want to make this? 90% of the time, it's the, I, I create the idea first. Okay. And the idea usually takes uh, a few days to like fully develop. Mm-hmm. So, so there's one that I have, um, that is like a person with like a squid on their head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made it a long time ago. I think Zan's over at block party owns it actually. Yep. yep. Um, and so, like, the process for that was I was sitting watching some documentary about sea creatures, and they showed this really big squid. And I was initially like, man, you could fit your whole head inside that thing. <laughs> it, I know that sounds dumb, but then that's where, like, the, the couple of days come in where I was like, well, that's an idea, but that's not, like, a great idea. That's a dumb idea. So then I was like, well, well, people wear squid hats, like in Japan, like those cute little like kawaii ones. Mm-hmm. It's like, but I don't want that. And I was like, what I want is like, like a really realistic hat, but it's all made out of materials from articles of clothing from magazines. Okay. And because uh, I, I kind of like this idea that like in in the world of fashion, oftentimes fashion is so dumb, but we mm-hmm. just like throw it in people's faces and then suddenly it's cool like like some of kanye west's shoes when you look at them if you just showed me that and you're like hey look i made a new shoe i'd be like uh you need to try again that's not what a shoe looks like (laughs) uh i find it interesting how our minds adjust right like we'll look at something and initial we'll go oh that's ugly but give it enough repeated exposure and time we can come to a point where it's like oh it's cool yeah and and so that was kind of like the idea behind this was like i make this absurd squid hat that mm-hmm. like if anybody wore it in public right now you'd be like what are you wearing that's like you can't wear that in public and then i take this naked person and i'm like no that this naked person just wears this and this is fashion mm-hmm. um and so you know that's kind of the culmination of all ideas up to the cathartic spray painting and sticking paper on paper mm-hmm Right, so the spray painting, it looks like most of your work has kind of a spray painted background, am I correct? 
Yeah, usually. Yeah. That's cool. I'm curious about these ones, the Syrian sunrise and sunset and city. Is that all just a single collage in different lighting conditions? Yes. Okay. So that one was, uh, the idea was to try to take this really like ugly war-torn Syrian landscape and mm -hmm. try to collage rubble and not make it just look like a mess. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from there, I wanted the photo under different lights. So it had this like fake veneer of sunrise and sunset beauty, mm -hmm. but like underneath it, it's still just this terrible piece of shit thing that we shouldn't be excited about. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was kind of that idea, like when you watch the news, sometimes they'll be like uplifting. This six-year-old just raised $10,000 for his mom's cancer treatment. And when you look at that story, you're like, is that really uplifting? This six-year-old had to go sell lemonade to pay for his mom's cancer? Like, that's actually just really messed up. Why did we throw this covering over it to make it something that's pretty, but it's, it's actually just this really ugly thing? Like, we shouldn't yeah. be excited that we put this six-year-old in this situation to do this. We yep. should instead be like, hold the presses. We got to fix this system. Mm-hmm. Or so like celebrate like, celebrating people who work like three different jobs just to survive, you know? It's like, wow, look at this person hustle. It's like, uh, this is messed up. <laughs> yeah, that that was <laughs> the the story that you see over and over again that I, I can't stand because when you see it, it shouldn't be like, wow, this guy's grinding. Like, <laughs> I hope I have ambition like that or kids these days wouldn't understand to grind like that. Like, no, we should just be working on making it so that there's a work-life balance in the world and, yeah. like, not treating somebody who works at Arby's like shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a widespread perversion, you know, in capitalism in terms of, I don't know, we've gone too far with it, I think. It doesn't work the way it was meant to work. I don't know if there is a better solution, but... Well, complaining about it always helps. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, though, you know, because a piece of art, like you look at this Syrian city work, it's it says so much more than what can be said, you know, in a conversation, right? Just looking at it and... Yeah, I mean that's that's what art's all about, I suppose, right? Um, is this, so this physical piece that you created? Do you still hold this physical piece then? Um, I uh -huh. mean, yeah. I, obviously, the the listeners can't see what I just showed, so just pretend that you just saw me show it to you too, listeners. <laughs> yeah, just look at it on Showtime. Yeah, just look at it on Showtime. <laughs> uh, and then the two print NFT prints that are like the sunrise and the sunset, those are just photoed with uh, different colored flashlights. Oh, really? Okay. So I, I, I have a big collection of different colored flashlights that mm -hmm. uh, I like to use when I'm photoing because mm -hmm. I don't really use filters and stuff for my photos. Uh I, I like the old analog way. I, mm -hmm. I'm 
I'm a dinosaur like that. Um, How did you get these photos to be so clean, though? Like, for example, if I look at the Syrian City collage piece, you're telling me you didn't do any, like, digital cleanup on that photo afterwards? Uh, so all I did on it was I photoed it, and then uh, my phone just has, like, a crisp filter. And okay. so when I photo it, it's just crisp filter, and that's it. Like, I'm not putting it in Photoshop or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so usually I'll like take it outside on a sunny day. I'll photo it like on a cloudy day. I'll photo it when it's kind of like nighttime and the lights in my dining room are really crappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll just kind of compare them and see, you know, what works. Right. You ever do any digital collage at all? Does that appeal to you at all? No. Um, I don't do digital per se. Uh, mm-hmm. th- there's like one digital piece my my first thing i made as an nft i was digital it's a piece of crap it's floating around somewhere though i don't (laughs) really care for it uh and i've just found that for me like digital doesn't work i i don't feel anything while i'm doing it the whole time i'm just thinking like well how can i make this good Mm. and there's a detachment there in a sense yeah and i prefer just working with my hands like i like woodworking as well Mm -hmm. um you know i I sculpted a minotaur skull randomly a few months back and then i put a bunch of electronics in it and lights in it and uh i I made it so that its eyes can like bleed and i like building things versus playing on a computer um again I'm just kind of a dinosaur like that. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of envy that skill. I, when, uh, me personally, I'm more on the digital side, but that means that I'm somewhat lacking when it comes to working directly with my hands on things, like even mechanical things. I've never really had much of an aptitude for that kind of thing. Well, I used to circuit bend children's keyboards when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So... That's kind of where my electrical background goes in. Okay. Have you ever tried that with like the glitch stuff? That's a hugely popular thing, you know? I've heard that's popular. Um, And I've seen like somebody was showing off photos they took of a circuit through a circuit bent digital camera. Yeah. And I thought those were really interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't really mess with it much anymore. It was kind of just a phase of my life that, I don't know, is best just looked at through nostalgic glasses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like if I started doing it again, I'd be like, well, wait, did I actually just suck at this? <laughs> and right now I can just look back fondly on it instead. I know what you mean. Something that you remember in a positive light and then you revisit it and it does, it loses its shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear you. Still, there's a large kind of nostalgic kind of element to that where, like, for example, if you look at, say, someone like Max Capacity and, you know, he has all these glitch videos and it's made from just found video footage. And there's a certain charm to it because a lot of the footage is from like the 80s, 90s kind of era. And you can immediately recognize that as soon as you see the footage. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I I don't know if I would enjoy doing it is the thing. Right. Uh, I mean, a lot of this at the end of the day is 
just out of enjoyment mm-hmm. versus out of necessity. I, sure. I completely get artists working out of necessity and I respect it. And unfortunately it becomes one of those hustles mm-hmm. that like, I hate that we live in a society where they'd have to actually hustle and grind to make it work for them when it's what they want to do. But since I have the luxury of not being in that position, uh, you know, I can just do whatever sounds neat to me. So mm-hmm. if I want to keep collaging, I'll keep collaging. If suddenly I say, oh, no, I'm only wood burning now. Like, OK, that's what I'm going to do. I, I don't really have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a nice position to be in, right? It's It's purely for the enjoyment. Yeah, and I don't think I could do it full time as a living. I mean, it you know, if say for instance somehow somebody just decided like you're the next Ferocious, here's two million dollars. Like, yeah, that's great. I think I would just be focusing on setting up passive retirement or something with that money, so I didn't have to consider art an mm. ongoing job. Mm-hmm. Like I'd still want it to remain in the hobby side of things. Like if I didn't have to work and I get to do it as a hobby, great. But I wouldn't ever want to be in the position where I'm like, man, this needs to sell or I am fucked. Right. Now just the element of joy kind of disappears from it then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were talking about royalties earlier. And then I was looking through your Twitter stream and I came across this thing about Binance. I don't really know a lot about it, but Binance was saying something about it being a 1% royalty instead of a 10% for artists. Do you know much about that? Um, I mean, it sounds, I don't know too much about it. I don't doubt that that tweet is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seems to me like Binance being Binance. Mm-hmm. So... I- like, this is the Bill I, Ellis I'm, one, right? And I, I was looking at it, I was like, is that even a real email from Binance? Like, when I read it, seeking for cooperation on Binance NFT platform, to me, it just reads as, is this one of those scam emails, you know? You know, I don't know. Uh, I take everything on Twitter with a grain of salt. I, I had no plans to ever mint on Binance to begin with, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, as it is, the only reason I even use Pancake Swap is because I was airdropped a ton of crappy coins that I was able to turn <laughs> into real money. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't touch that platform. Mm-hmm. But I do think royalties are just really important. Uh, the yeah. more that we can promote those, the better that we're going to make things in the long term. Because people don't realize just you know how much can change in 20 years. That piece of art that you made when you're 20 years old that you just thought was cool. And then, you know, through random circumstances in life, that thing becomes worth $10 million, $100 million. It's only fair for that person to be getting a cut when it's trading hands by the big boys. I agree. It's it's only reasonable to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying like 50% cut, even five or 10%. That's, it's just something because you don't want a person like that just saying like, well, how come I made this and sold it for 20 bucks and now it's worth a hundred million and I'm homeless. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it, it's almost the case of what we see a lot of times with these gimmicky NFTs, the NFTs of, you know, famous YouTube videos or right. uh, like that creepy Chan girl. <laughs> um, th- these were people that, 
they got thrown into the limelight and you would think, wow, they made it. They're famous. But no, they just became a meme and we all used it, but they didn't get a dime. Right. They did not benefit like we imagined they did. We, yeah. we immediately assume, oh, if someone's that well known, they're, they've made it. They're financially set. No, but society doesn't have those safeguards in place. If anything, it can be a burden at times because mm. you attach this persona to somebody. I mean, it makes it difficult for them to get jobs in certain areas they'd otherwise want to work. Okay. Um, like, look at Monica Lewinsky. She, right. Like, do you think she ever had an easy time finding a job? Right. Right. I, I bet it was near impossible for her for a long time after that. Uh, I mean, the reason why she was in pop culture is slightly different, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it, it's the general idea remains the same of we've attached, uh, I, you know, underlying characteristics to this person as to what we preconceive they are. Mm -hmm. And therefore we've limited what they can and can't do and where they should and shouldn't be but we never actually gave them a monetary reward for all those preconceptions that get placed onto them. Right. And others are exploiting that kind of fabricated identity. Yeah. So hmm. I think that royalties help ensure that there's a, at least a safety net there for the people that end up having their art become highly valuable or even not art, but NFTs can be so much more sure uh for all we know you know a photo of somebody in a yearbook and that yearbook is an nft and that photo goes viral like i mean that kid should probably be getting royalties if people are trading around his yearbook photo i don't know why it would happen but crazier things in the world have before right well and it just uh, it, it provides a mechanism for that uh, I wanted to ask you about in your twi Twitter thread, uh, July 1st, you said you're halfway through a 30 day period of only sharing other people's works on Twitter. What was the, what was the motivation for that? Um, it was a combination of, uh, some bad mental days and I guess burnout from feeling like there should be more success at times than i've mm. had success isn't really the right word but you know you, you pour a lot of yourself into art sometimes and then you post it and 30 people are like this is awesome and you're like yeah it's for sale for 200 dollars," and they're all like oh that's cool it would sell immediately at that and then <laughs> it sits mm -hmm. uh and i, I kind of just was tired of being in the rat race of that so i said you know, instead of just saying, oh, I'm going to keep showing off what I have for sale and throwing it in people's faces over and over and hoping my friends retweet it for the eighth and ninth time. Like, why don't I just spend a month actually promoting other people's stuff, buying mm -hmm. other stuff when I can and doing the stuff that I wish was happening? Mm -hmm. You know, like... I I absolutely love when I put out a new piece and I post it the second, third day in a row and I see somebody retweet it that second and third time. Yeah. And it's like, I know you already saw this and you're just doing this to do a solid to me and get it ex more exposure. Yep. Um, so I wanted to just focus on being that guy that was, you know, 
getting other people's works in front of audiences, uh, taking the time to actually absorb what I'm looking at when I look at other people's art. Cause it's mm -hmm. easy to do the endless scroll where you just swipe and swipe and swipe in and you're like, Oh, that one's cool heart. But you don't ever like stop and just look at it and say like, yeah, it's cool. But like, let's stare at it and really tear it apart in our brain for a few minutes and dissect it and determine what we do and don't like about it. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily need to comment all that, but I want to, at least for myself, take the time to do that, appreciate it, and enjoy it. So these 30 days have more just been about that personal reflection for me of what I do and don't want to be as a online character. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Have um, you found that it's it's helped you think of it differently? Yeah, online, I'm definitely Cat Russell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not what my actual name is. Uh, and I, I, I've always kind of thought of it that way, even before I was in the NFT world, that I'm an online persona of a person and then I'm myself in the real world. And they're two separate beings. Uh, you know, it, it helps me feel like I can be more outgoing, more joking around. Mm -hmm. less worry about this idea of like, well, if you're unprofessional, like how could that affect your job and career in the future? What if mm. somebody dug this up? Like, well, it's just a character. It, I mean, it's me in a sense, but it's just like a sub part of me. Yeah. It's a persona. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Like I was saying to you before, I, I entered this from the writing angle and it was under my actual name. So I had no such advantage. And that sounds scary to me. I <laughs> I am the type of person that fears being in public overall. Mm. Uh, if, you know, I, I can put on a good extrovert face if I need to and want to, mm -hmm. but it's definitely like an act that I have to do when I'm doing it. Okay. And so being able to say like, oh, my persona's doing it. It makes it a lot easier. It's kind of yeah, like how Daft that. Punk always wore masks initially. Right. They wore masks initially because they had stage fright. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Well, and it frees you up in a way to just kind of be more adventurous then. So what are your uh, next upcoming... Uh, you, do you kind of conceptualize works ahead of time for a period of time? Think about what you're going to do for a period? Or is it more spontaneous than that? Uh, so I've been working this month well not posting stuff right uh, yeah. i I've, I've been working on a set of projects that are more traditional style collages the you know actual full image of something cut out instead of just the little chunk of ice cream um and then i am working with somebody named young weekend who's going to help me deploy my own smart contract oh okay and i'm putting all of these on that smart contract Okay. Uh, and, and these are all cutouts of old 1940s, 1950s fairy tale books. Mm. Uh, and I'm trying to, I guess, find like the images in old children's books that are accidentally ominous, if you will. Mm. You know, the, the ways that art was sometimes done back then in those books when you look at it under like a modern lens, 
it's really easy to be like, that's actually a really creepy drawing. <laughs> um, so I've been working just on that. Uh, okay. Other than that, I'm uh, doing a collab with Soundwave's Photon. Uh-huh. He, he, he does this cool stuff where, I mean, I guess take a moment to look at his page. He, he uses NFC chips to make AR right. implementation. So you hold your phone up to a picture of his, and then the picture starts bleeding out of the picture. Music starts playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he works on these mountainscapes. So we're uh, working on a mountain collab with him. Cool. Yeah, he's awesome. I've had him on the show. Good guy. Oh. Are you ever in the Art Gallery Auction House? I don't know if I've seen you there or if I remember. I haven't been in it as often lately. Yeah, I hang out in there. Okay, um, okay. I've, I've sold a couple pieces there. Yeah. I, I sold one during uh, Cancer Sucks' charity auction. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, actually, my first auction I ever had was there. Okay. So. Yeah, see, I, I got to know Daniel Pan through that. He's a good guy. He is a good guy. Just got married recently. Congrats to Daniel. He did. Yeah. yeah. He just got so. back from his honeymoon. Right. So that's a good community for those who are listening who aren't aware of it. If you go on Telegram, you go to the Art Gallery Auction House. It's one of the more vibrant, down-to-earth kind of grassroots NFT communities that I've ever encountered. Yeah, it's a good place for you know getting advice uh mm-hmm. as far as where and what to mint also get feedback and critique of your art as blunt or as you know uh fluffed up as you personally need it <laughs> you know people will be nice to you about it but then if you're like hey no can you be serious like tell me what needs fixed on this they'll start picking it apart for you if you ask but mm-hmm, constructively mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I only have good things to say about that space. It doesn't tend to be one of those places where 10,000 llamas wearing monocles or something get shoved down your throat every day. For sure. Yeah. No, it is more authentic than that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel kind of badly. Sometimes I'll just pop in there and drop something and leave, you know. But, you know, more often I try to come in and have a conversation. Or I'll just kind of read through what's going on. So, but no, it's a good community for sure. Uh, any uh, thing you want to share with us before we wrap things up in terms of your hopes over the next little while here, where you th- see things going for yourself? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I kind of see things just staying on the course um, overall. And mm-hmm. I, I want to work on more playing around with what is and isn't an nft and you know the ways they interact with physical objects mm-hmm. uh i i want to start looking at nfc chips a bit more myself and seeing if i can make them have a two-factor authenticator built into them oh, wow. to help make it so that it you're forced to have the physical in order to transfer the nft Mm-hmm. uh actually binding them but that's where my lack of being tech savvy kind of gets the best of me sometimes so i guess 
I'm just publicly saying it here in case anybody wants to steal that, collab with me on it, whatever it may be. If you steal it, just give me a shout out and let me know you <laughs> did. I don't care. It's uh, a good community. I think, you know, the chances are that you probably more likely would collaborate with somebody on it, really. Yeah, I, and I'm the type of person that, like, I, I could care less if you stole my art and reposted it as your own, even, as long as you gave me a shout out and were like, hey, this piece of art is the I Stole Cat Russell's art. Like, <laughs> that's cool. I mean, it's weird, but you do you. Uh, <laughs> as long as, like, appropriate shout outs are given i i'm all for people using abusing and playing around with what exists as far as ideas and you know art that's around yeah i think because of blockchain technology if someone say takes a piece of my art and remixes it or whatever people who want to know more about it they can eventually go back and find oh wait a second this was created by decline or in your case cat russell and they can kind of yeah. trace their way back to it it brings yeah, more value to the original work. That's how I see it. An imitation is a form of flattery at the end of the day. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is. I think we're still in a transitional stage with that, though, when you look at copyright and all that stuff, right? Yeah, as far as the copyright thing goes, I mean, I see collectors talking about how, oh, copyright shouldn't exist anymore. I should own the whole right to it as soon as I buy your work. Yeah, I, I don't know. About I don't that. personally buy that. No. Like, I'm sure you would like to own the whole right to it as soon as you buy my work. I get that. Everybody likes a good deal. But <laughs> no, I, I took the time to make it. If a year from now I want to make a shirt out of it or something, that's, yeah, that's how it goes. Prerogative for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that said, if the person who bought my art was like, man, I want to make shirts out of this. Yeah, just tell me. Go for it. I'm not going to, like, try to get a cut of it or something. Just give me the heads up. Right. But that's just how I operate. Um, you can't expect every artist to be like that, though. No. Because uh, some people put a lot more of personal trauma and things into their art, too. Mm -hmm. You can't expect somebody that makes a piece of art, like, based on their husband dying to be okay with you being like, oh, it's my copyright now, and we're making t-shirts of it. Like, yeah, that wouldn't be you. fair. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not a simple issue, for sure. We'll, we'll see a lot of stuff happen with that over the next couple of years, I would imagine, especially with some of the bigger companies entering and going, hey, wait a minute, like, this is our intellectual property, you know? Yeah, I imagine Disney's going to have a field day at one point. I, I don't so. know when, but I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose at this point, the you know, it's just not big enough for them to bother with, probably. Yeah, the, the only one that probably is, is, you know, people using the Mickey Mouse character. Mm -hmm. And at this point, does it really negatively affect Disney that he did? Right. Well, Kinda, you could use parody not. law, parody protections in that case. Anyway, you can, um, you know, a smaller person though, they would just say, yeah, parody law applies, but you still got to answer the lawsuit. Have fun paying for lawyers. Right. Yeah. No fair point. Yeah. Yeah. It's a interesting area. We'll see what happens with that over the course of time, I guess. So, yeah, hey, thank you. sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. Just daydreaming. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, share your uh, work with me and to talk about it. And uh, I just want to just wish you uh, the best with uh, whatever is coming up here in the next little bit here with your your self-deploying contract. That should be cool. And Thanks. Uh, uh, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was good chatting with you. And, uh, you know, don't be a stranger. For sure. And I look forward to seeing you promoting your own work on Twitter again soon. Yeah, a couple <laughs> weeks from now. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Okay, take care, man. Yep, you have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.